Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds, the year-end review edition of Bandwagon Nerds, where we try to tell 2020 to suck it, get excited for 2021, because boy howdy, it was a year. I'm of course not here by myself. I am joined today by my good friend, the lawyer David Ungar, and the live studio audience, PC Tunney. Ray Cash, not with us to start the show, may join us a little bit later. Who knows? It's been a tough year, and I think he's just trying to start 2021 right. How has 2021 kicked off for you two gentlemen? David, how about you? How, how's it going so far? Dude, I'm just waiting for the Civil War to start on Wednesday. That, that's all I'm just waiting for that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Why well, you already bring politics into the damn show? <laughs> I just, I, I just, I just read stuff like. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, studio yeah, audience. The audience doesn't approve. The audience but, don't approve. You know, I mean, it could get good today if if uh, the Washington football team at full strength can defeat the lowly, shitty Philadelphia Eagles, then division championship against all odds so it could be cool yeah, what's your record gonna be going into the playoffs seven and nine mean? baby if we win just like uh, seattle a bunch of winners <laughs> a winner is the not NFC you East. i you know we talked about this on chair shot radio this morning or yesterday uh, sunday morning and i feel like the nfl should have gone the nhl path to playoffs best records best records just get in 
Like, stop this business. Yes. Boy, we don't need a conference champ. What's the point? That, the, all those teams are terrible. They're just yeah. god awful. Take the top eight. See, the crowd agrees with me, right? Yeah. They're right there with me. It's just, it's just a joke. My team might get in, and I agree with you. Take the top eight. Let them beat the shit out of each other for a few weeks. The problem the- is, the problem is, is in the NFL, your division schedule is thirty-seven and a half percent of your schedule. Unlike the NHL, where you play everybody a whole bunch of times. Not this year. And, oh, 56, 56 times. But it's all everybody's all divisional, like we. Well, but the three three division the three divisions play each other eight times, and then one of them plays like ten times, plays each other like ten or nine times because the Canadian right I'm division just, is fewer. Times. I'm just saying they're all intradivisional this year which is not right this is yeah the very uh, a follow-up to the 20 uh the 2021 nhl season preview we only did half the season so i can't wait to cover the second half in the uh and on chair shot radio which by the way for those of you who don't know or are kind of confused as to what we're talking about chair shot radio came back on january 1st uh first episode kicked off by mr pc tony himself he got us going then i think the second episode was andrew Blaz and ray cash and then dave you and i were the sunday edition that's that was uh and uh rob Bennett. Because uh, we did the first half and Rob did the second half. We talked uh, NHL Hockey Preview Part 1. And Rob, I uh, I can't remember what Rob covered because uh, I stopped after listening to my ter- terrible audio. So, Tony, <laughs> you got me? Yeah, Rob just went over some wrestling things. It looks like from week to week he's going to try and run down Ron SmackDown and do his own solo thing. So give him a chance. Give him another listen next week. It was his first time recording solo. Um I, I hope you enjoyed listening to me this morning. I hope you enjoy listening to me again this morning on Chairshot Radio. And tomorrow, the man, the myth, the legend, Greg DeMarco himself, Tuesday and Wednesday morning. So make sure to keep tuning in every day. Something new right there at Chairshot Radio. Tony, who is your Tony, hockey team? Who is the Lightning. That's right. The defending champ. That's right. Congratulations again. So Did you guys lose Kucherov this year? Whole- yeah, but we made a bunch of trades, and a couple people had to go on IR so that we could get under the cap. So we'll see what happens. Um, I can tell you that DP and I always split a spot in a money pool where there's eight people, and everybody gets two teams. It's a snake draft. If you pick an East team, you get to pick a West team on the second side. And we had the third pick, and DP wanted to take Philly, and I said, no, we're taking Tampa. And then we got to the finals, and DP said, let's split it with the other guy. I said, no, we're not splitting it. So <laughs> DP, can, DP can thank me. I still owe him the half of the money that he is due, but he can thank me when he gets it. Because without me, he'd be singing the Philly blues. Right. He, he gave up. Uh, he gave up. So I, I'm just impressed that we have fans of the last three Stanley Cup champions sitting here around the bandwagon as we got the caps, the blues and the lightning. I had no idea. So tips of the caps to all of you. Big blues fan for a long time. Uh, Chris Pronger was my guy forever. Um, caps, not uh, so much. Dave. The Pronger, Kenneth's defensive side of the, Oh, love those two, but we're not here to talk about sports. Come on. We're nerds. Nerds don't talk about sports, right? Like we're <laughs> sure. going to talk about nerd stuff. We're going to talk, about the year that was, we are going to talk about 2020 and all of, I guess, the highlights, maybe some of the lowlights, a little bit of everything. I've got a few. I just kind of wanted to take a look back. And so what I did with this week's rundown is I divided it up into three parts. 
Uh, the first part is just headlines, big news items to me that I felt were worth a second a second visit to talk about and whether or not they're going to have long-reaching impacts after 2020. And then I figured we'd do a best of. What were our favorites in the world of television, in the world of movies, and declare a winner. Who won 2020 and who's winning 2021? Oh, I forgot. And we're also going to talk about if you got any hidden gems out there, things that maybe people don't know about, didn't see, or should see. Um, to throw some of those out there. And I, I laugh. Tony, I think you in the realm of television always have something that I need to check out, whether it's The Queen's Gambit, which I still haven't done. So sorry. Uh, I've actually got a TV one I don't know if you've seen, but I, I'm looking forward to sharing as well. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to do this. So what say we get into it, all right? I say so. What do you say, PC? Right. <clears throat> I agree. All right. Well, let's look into the biggest headlines. And it's funny. I joked about sports, right? And was like, we don't, we don't talk about sports. But and I think that the overarching thing that we can all recognize is that basically, um, from February on, there's one thing that dominated our world, right? I mean, there was the the election, of course, as well, and at the end of the year. But COVID nineteen and the impact that it had on our lives and everybody's life you can't ignore 2020 and not talk about what is, what is still an ongoing thing here, even though the calendar has turned to 2021 and and its impact. And one of the things that to me was the starkest example that this shit was for real was seeing Mark Cuban in the stands of an NBA game reacting on his phone to the season ending. And losing sports basically in the month of March, like we kind of lost it all for a minute there. Uh, you, everybody here knows I'm a University of Illinois sports fan. The, the last memory of the 2020 basketball season for the University of Illinois was Kofi Coburn blocking Luca Garza to seal a first round bye in the Big Ten tournament for the Illini. And then the day before the, uh, the Illini were to take the court, uh, the tournament was canceled. The NCAA tournament was canceled, and we we had a moratorium on sports for for four months, and then it sort of came back. The NBA and the NHL first with the bubbles, and then Major League Baseball and whatever it did. I never liked the rollout for baseball, and now here we are. We're playing a we're playing a football season. You know, we had the college football playoff this past weekend, and. The NFL is in its last season or last week. The Bears and the Packers are scheduled to play, and Aaron Rodgers is going to run rough shot over my Bears because my Bears are an overrated team. But sports came back, and I guess to me, and I and I'd love to hear your guys' opinion of this. I I was uncertain of it. I still don't know how I feel about it, but I think it was important when they came back. I don't. I mean, I'll go. I'll go PC if you want me to. I mean, I. I still remember the year beginning before the pandemic started that day we recorded and Kobe died um, the day of the Royal Rumble. And I mean, that kind of I mean, looking back now, you know, it it was a monumental event when it happened. But when you look at it now, it's like that was the kickoff to kind of the shit show that was 2020 for sports. I mean, I think we all remember that week in March, that March 11th is when everything ground to a halt and, and you just started to see 
the dominoes falling in place, the WHO declaring the pandemic. Then the next thing you know, the NCAA tournament's gone. NBA's gone. NHL's gone. MLB was in the middle of spring training and they said, go home. Um, you know, it was like the last time I went to Fresno for my job was like March 13th, Friday the 13th. Haven't been back since. But, I, you know, I, I agree with you that getting sports back in, in some way, I mean, like, you know, we're all wrestling podcasters and fans and wrestling kept going and evolving as it went along. And my thoughts on WrestleMania 36 notwithstanding, they, they kept the train a rolling, that sort of thing. So I thought it was important to get, like you're saying, Pat, to get sports back in some capacity. They, they've done the best they can. I mean, and I know without fans and stuff like that, it's, it's a little bit odd. Um, but yeah, getting basketball to finish up, getting hockey to finish up, crowning champions. Baseball was unique, you know, a very short season. But ask anybody in L.A. if they're going to put an asterisk next to that Dodgers World Series championship. Not a single one of them. They're, they're like, yeah, after, what Houston, after what Houston did to us, fuck you. <laughs> That's their basic opinion. We're the world champions and we'll take it. Uh, so, you know, and, and it's it's been an evolutionary thing. People have adjusted the sports, um, the major leagues, you know, you know NFL, MLB, uh, NHL, NBA, even MLS has has had to make a, modifications and adjustments and and things like that. But it is it is important from the standpoint of it's some sense of normalcy that you can get in your everyday life because, yeah, this year has been a disaster for the sports leagues, for like theme parks, for the movie. And I mean, we're going to get into all that. But I agree with you that getting sports back in some fashion and dealing with the circumstances as best as they can has been commendable for all the leagues. What you got, PC? Yeah. It's just interesting because you can go back and think about late spring and early summer when there wasn't much going on and we were dying and just waiting for the Jordan documentary to come out. Like they rushed that thing because nothing was on and people wanted something to watch. You know, we were watching, what was it? Uh, probably cricket and whatever else that was in the Philippines. <laughs> Darts. <laughs> Darts. Korean baseball. I remember Korean baseball on ESPN. They self-contained better. Like they just pretty much told their people, no, you're not going anywhere. And within a couple weeks, they didn't have any more thing. They didn't let anybody in or out. And yes, Korean baseball, 5.30 a.m. every morning on ESPN. I yes. remember one episode you were watching ESPN too, Tony, the cherry pit spitting championships or some nonsense like that. Yeah, they, the tram driving competitions as well. <laughs> That was that was when they changed it to the Ocho, right? They they called yeah. it the Ocho just for fun. Twenty twenty, the year of the Ocho. There were so many other little things that companies did too to help with entertainment. Like, and, and it's funny because it was everything from and this is going to sound ludicrous. Pornhub being free for a week, like Pornhub was free for a week. Uh, so many. So much streaming content. We're going to get into the streaming services bit when we get into a couple of the other headlines. It just it, it was it, it dominated, and sports is such a, a tribalism piece of thing or uh, a piece of life. Like my wife is not a sports person. The Mrs. O'Dowd, she does not get it from her like herself. But to see how much it meant to me, I watched. I watched a. The TBT, just called the basketball tournament. It's a summer tournament of former players from various universities that get to play in Illinois. Marquette, I think, won it 
if I remember correctly. Uh, but Illinois got a team in there for the first time. They beat a couple of teams. They beat Ohio State. And we were all we were all there for it. And then we got smoked. I can't even remember who they got smoked. And, you know, Greg gives me a hard time a lot because I refer to my sports teams as we. But there's something to that. It, it You know, teams become a part of our identities. And so to have them there and have them playing, yeah, it was frustrating when you would see players violate, you know, COVID protocols and do whatever it was that prevented, you know, games from going forward. You look at the college football season and you knew it was inevitable. But at the same time, as I sat there and watched Ohio State beat Clemson, you know, against what I thought was long odds, it felt good. And it felt good to see. And and so it is a silver lining. You know, it still gives me anxiety to see crowds of people at a game without masks, uh, without, you know, taking precautions. But at the same time, like I'm I'm happy that I that I get to you know, bemoan my Chicago Bears, complain about the St. Louis Cardinals, live and die with empty basketball arenas watching the University of Illinois play. So sports found a way. The fact that the Rose Bowl was played in Texas is all you really need to know about 2020. Well, you can you can probably thank the parents of the, of the student athletes at Notre Dame, considering Brian Kelly basically said, if, if the parents can't show up, we're, we're not going to go. And uh, then CAA went, oh, that's right. We're in the business of making money. And that's what Notre Dame does, makes money. So, hmm, yeah, let's move to Texas. Fraud team that they are. But anyway. Well, they didn't embarrass themselves, at least, as bad as we thought they would. Yeah, I feel like it was a – I feel like Alabama could have done more and just didn't. (laughs) You know, they didn't really need to. So I, I still remember they, you know, Notre Dame scored that touchdown and Notre Dame fans were like, we're back in it. And then Bama in like three, plays. three minutes, yeah, three plays done. touchdown. It's all They're over. like, no, not better than us. Stop it. And they just toyed with them the whole game. But yeah, so that was my first big highlight. My second big highlight was comic cons and cons going virtual and some of them paying off in really, really big ways. Some of them not paying off i think the way that organizers hoped you know a san diego comic-con and new york comic-con both went virtual did virtual panels but didn't really have a lot of news dc though and dc fandom with both of its iterations both the kind of more traditional comic-con-esque presentation the first day of dc fandom where you got 24 hours of panels just going with news bit after news bit. You got looks at Batman. You got information about Wonder Woman 1984. You got news about Shazam's follow-up. You got news about the Black Adam movie. It was so huge and so great. And then they followed that up with what I would say is the definition of a fan service day with their part two, where they had stuff aimed at kids and then just all these nuggets of information. Just so much, so much more than you could cover in a 24-hour span. That again, you talk about things, you know, finding a way. And San Diego Comic Con in New York didn't do the best job, but I also don't think they did the worst job. I just think the experience wasn't what we wanted. Yeah, I think um, as far as the virtual cons went, Fandom Day One and Day Two stole the show by far. And 
I mean, you know, the thing with San Diego and New York is they were trying to cover it's so many irons in the fire. It's it's hard to pull right. that off in a, in a virtual environment, whereas D.C. was, you know, it's the D.C. universe. And, and yeah, there was a lot of things going on. But I think, you know, and I, I've been listening back to those episodes where we talked about fandom, the way it was structured uh, was very advantageous to fandom. Is it just like you could like like we were saying, Pat, I remember that episode you're talking about you and uh, Connor just sat there and press play and watched it for hours and you didn't have to do anything other than just watch it for hours, you know, and that, and that was really a smart move on the part of DC and smart move on the part of fandom. And they gave you something like that first day with those trailers was really good, especially getting that surprising Batman trailer. And then like the second day was just such great fan service that you could get lost in that for days, let alone 24 hours. Could you see this being maybe a shift once once the world goes back to normal, if it ever does, where going out in public and getting together? Could you see a shift in these cons where a lot of the things that were done virtually continue to stay that way because they're much more efficient for a broader group of fans? And then at the same time, the live thing would be more of an experience and less of the things that they were able to do virtually. Like, does that make sense? Maybe the panels go virtual. Yes way of doing things and when you go there sometimes you don't get that necessarily you get more of the 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 in-person experience i don't know if that made any sense at all oh yeah absolutely so we actually talked about this when we uh this year when san diego announced that it was going to go virtual and dp brought it up that you know and i always think about it in terms of myself like someday i would love the experience of going to san diego comic-con and just experiencing it just just being there for the conference i would even need to necessarily go to a panel just to be at that location as part of a community that is that is something special but we were really excited and i remember this conversation because we talked about this like the effort for somebody like myself on the east coast to make it all the way over to san diego first you have to be able to get a ticket to the event and then you hope that that you get a good day so that you can kind of catch it. Whereas with this virtual con, and I think it does stay, Tony, to answer your question, because I think there's money to be made there. Because even if you charge a nominal fee, the thing that San Diego did that I appreciated was that their panels were up for a period of time beyond just the day of the panel being released. The one thing I didn't love about fandom was you literally had 24 hours. Once 24 hours passed, you snooze, you lose. And on one end, it's a great marketing thing to get eyeballs there. On the other end, especially on day two uh, of DC fandom, there was just so much stuff I wanted to get to that I couldn't, that I had to prioritize because it was just literally information dump. Plus they had day one stuff there that you could rewatch that you you really had to like plan your day. And I think that if um, they were to create a model where you kind of did this hybrid to where maybe you do record the panels and if you buy a virtual ticket, you have a weekend, maybe it's 72 hours, maybe it's a week. I think they did a week with Comic-Con before the panel would drop. Uh, I think there's money to be made there and I think it would be a great thing. I could see DC fandom staying virtual. I really could because they don't, especially because they don't have a track record as a bricks and mortar type of con Um, San Diego and New York. I think the moment that they can get people back, will revert back to 
their normal sort of ways because it's just it's just got that reputation and that buzz about it a big mega entertainment event that i i think they're going to want to try and recapture especially when you see like the mixed reviews on san diego especially uh new york was a little bit more organized i thought but uh but yeah you look at the mix right yeah exactly exactly and they and they tweaked a few things but fandom something that i could see them building towards a a physical showcase at some point in time but they can say, hey, we got a lot of momentum. We did a lot of things really well. There's no need to try and, you know, incur the expense of an actual physical con. Let's just keep doing this. But yeah, I would expect San Diego, New York to try to get back to normal as soon as um, they're allowed to. Right. And I think that I, I don't know. I think that it, I think a hybrid could work because what if you say you didn't do a big panel, say, say Marvel the Marvel panel or like the big Disney panel, you still had to be there to catch because let's be honest. One of my favorite things about post Comic-Con is shaky cam footage from somebody recording in what is it like room H or whatever it is like all age. Yeah. All age is people are trying to film the big like promo. And so I do think there needs to be something to reward the fan that's present. But if you, I just think that there's I think there's a middle road there if San Diego wants to explore. Now the real question is, will they explore? Because as you pointed out, Dave, DC showed that there's a model and there's a place for it. And you know, this year DC was like, it's free, dot dot dot. I think they I think they might see some money in it come, come next year. Dot dot dot. Well, yeah, I mean, like and you said, Okay, it's free for 24 hours. You want longer access, it costs you $9.99 or something like that. And that's how they'll recoup some of that. Very true. But on the whole, again, as you look at making something work in a time where you couldn't get thousands upon thousands of people together in one location, they, they found a way. And I think that's kind of the theme is that so much of entertainment found a way and, and, and made things made things still feel a little worthwhile and special. Right. And like one event, it wasn't a streaming event, but it was a different kind of stream was that Disney investor conference from a couple weeks oh, ago. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I got, okay. I got that. That's its own headline. Okay. We're going to, we're going to talk about Disney, but first I want to talk about Warner brothers shaking up the film industry or did it? That's the real question. This is an ongoing story because this is still relatively new. This dropped it. In the in the middle of October, I think was when the first news bite dropped that Warner Brothers announced that all of their films for next year that were they were planned for theatrical release release were going to be released in theaters, but also simultaneously for one month would be released on the streaming service HBO Max. Now we've already got one lawsuit involved, and we've talked about this on the uh, on these airwaves, but this. This is a this is a shakeup, and we've seen it play out. Now we saw Wonder Woman 1984. We reviewed it last week on the show as to what we thought about it. But this this I do think is is another trend and change in the way that we consume entertainment and new content. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, you know, with Wonder Woman 1984, uh, you know, we reviewed it here. I think we did it on the Nerd Review as well. Uh, You know, that's sort of. So we we did all that. Uh, with the thing with Wonder Woman 1984 is, 
and I, I mean, I know we've talked about it, um, you know, in the bandwagon nerds chat and that sort of thing as to conflicting information as to just how well it did at the theaters. Was it, a, was it a success? Right. Was it a failure? Early reports were like, it's a failure. And then subsequently it's like, oh, it's a raging success, you know? And, well, what, I, and, and the distinction was, is apparently it didn't do as well as they anticipated worldwide. But what they saw was that people who could go to the theater to see it did. Right. Now, is that because they wanted the experience or, you know, or did they just want to get out of the house? Maybe it's because that they had a laptop and when they tried to stream it on their laptop, they couldn't stream it. <laughs> they didn't have an Apple device. Yeah. No, I had an Apple device yeah. to just stream it, but yeah, that happened too. So it, it had a bunch of glitches apparently. By the way, six and a half, I would give that movie. Yeah. Okay. You're about where I was. I, was I think I gave it what, a, what I think I gave it like a three point something like barely over a three like i almost gave it a 2.8 like i was i was kind of in that 2.8 3.2 range just to mess with dave it was an okay movie 2.88 i gave it a 3.75 is that what you gave it nice no i gave it a (laughs) 3.75 yeah you're 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 the paula abdul of the nerd review though like that has been the truth you're like you tried so hard you worked so hard it's still a no but good job kids for those of you who don't know american idol once upon a time used to have paula abdul as one of the panelists judges that would evaluate the talent and she was always really nice even when she was running the talent down all right well i like the movie i just didn't think it was like a worthy of a four out of five that sort of thing but anyway getting back Fair to your enough. original original thing I, you know it's the question now of course is has warner done what would be the equivalent of a paradigm shift with the industry as far as saying we've declared the death of theaters as we know it and we we perceive we're predicting that theaters will just you know go the way of the uh, pterodactyl so therefore let's shift any let's start gradually shifting to streaming We'll give the theaters a chance and we'll let them have some of the fun, but we see where this is going and let's, let's get involved and start shifting this over to a streaming thing. And then, yeah, you look at wonder woman 1984 and I don't know have they released the streaming numbers other than saying it was the most watched stream straight to video movie of the year. No surprise. Which without a doubt it was going to be. Yeah. And it did better in the, in the actual theaters than, than we thought. So you know, the thing is, does this model work? Well, based on this one movie on Wonder Woman 1984, you'd say maybe. Yeah. I mean, you look at other movies that didn't do so well. Tenet didn't do so well. Mulan mixed stuff did great internationally. Not so well here. You know, some of the other stuff. I mean, and you look at, well, I mean, we'll talk about Disney later on, but um, I it, it's it's thinking outside the box. I'm a part of Warner and trying to kind of forecast where the market is heading. And maybe they were a little bit surprised as to how well Wonder Woman did in the theaters, but they're like, Hey, look, it's perfect. We got a bunch of extra subscriptions. Theaters got some money that they otherwise wouldn't have got because people actually wanted to go see this. So yeah, I mean, does this model work? Again, I would say a very strong, maybe (laughs) that's kind of where I'm going. Well, and last week, we talked about this. I don't think movie theaters are dead. I don't. I don't think this is the death. The the death knell in movie theaters. And we talked about this when we were talking more about Soul, and the role animation has been playing, and what you can do at a movie theater experience with animation versus 
what we see on a small screen. And Wonder Woman 1984 was the same way. There was so much that I wonder how great it would have looked on a bigger screen. And I think that that's just not going to go away when you create these epic shots and scope, which is why I think Black Widow is being held to theaters. Because you can just see from the trailers, there's scope and shots there that they want to make happen and make you experience on a giant screen. Sure. Yeah, there's... There's definitely aspects of the movie that I would have liked. I would have loved to have seen it in a theater because there are certain scenes that scene in the in the desert with all the, the you know where she gets in there and and is wedged between the two giant trucks, um you know the stuff lassoing, <laughs> fucking lightning bolts and the flying stuff would have been, a lot more impactful in the theater. Sure, um you know did I did I was it so magnificent that I would have wanted to risk going out there into a movie to see it? Probably not. You know, that sort of thing. And, and and the fact is that Warner gave you that choice. Hey, if you've got the tolerance for the risk and you want to go out there and see it, here you go. And if not, here's a safer alternative and knock yourself out. Uh, you know, just the fact that the difference between the two companies, and I know we're going to talk Disney, but you look at where Warner and DC are, let's get this out there. And you look at where Marvel and DC is like, eh, hold the phone there. We're going to, we're going to stay, you know, we're going to stay the course right now. Um, so it's a very different mindset between the two competing companies. Me personally, I'm thrilled that Wonder Woman came out because really it was the only blockbuster in 2020. I know we're going to talk movies, but really there's not going to be a shit ton to talk about. Right. So many movies have been pushed back. So many movies have been delayed. I did love that some became available on streaming. We didn't even talk about that too. You know, we got Bill and Ted facing the music. We there like there were films that came out and you still had to pay for them, you know, whether it's through Amazon Prime or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think the film industry, it took them a while to figure out what the hell they wanted to do. And Warner Brothers finally was the one to make a decision. Now, whether that decision pays off and you know, whether Legendary does anything about the two movies that they want to hold up on or or what, we'll still have to wait and see. But but here we are. And we'll see if this is a real shakeup or or an attempt at a shakeup that fails. One company that crushed it at the end of the year, though, in December, Dave, you've mentioned it a couple of times, our good friends at Disney. Disney's big December. Like, we, like, just forget about the rest of the year when it comes to Disney. Disney did in, in 31 days basically a year's worth of work. We got the Mandalorian season, you know, season two, episodes nine through 16. We got announcement after announcement after announcement at this investor day that killed the news cycle. Literally caused me to drop our itinerary and be like, well, we got to talk about this because this is all there was to talk about. And we'll get into this probably later when we get into who won 2020. They may not have won 2020, but they certainly won December. Disney slash Disney Plus crushed it. Yeah, that's all. Like, that's all I can say about it. Like that—that that was their 2020. Was the, the month of December was their 2020? Because yeah, I mean, you look at all the despair that was surrounding that company. You know, you, you talked about parks closing. Uh, though I still don't have my spider bot, um, Dave. <laughs> Christmas has come and gone, and I don't have a spider bot. And Sorry. I thought promises were made. Sorry, man. 
They they wouldn't Struck let us me. down there. So we know that's not true. They showed people walking around that stupid shop and sitting yeah, all the time. Yeah, only if you were an annual pass holder, and they did weird stuff with our annual pass. So who knows what the hell happened? But right, so. and, and and PC Tony was supposed to meet me out there, and it never happened. So you know that's guy. <laughs> so you should now you throw Tony under the bus. Sure. Why I don't have a spider Sure, sure yeah. exactly. This is total BS. <laughs> <laughs> PC, what are your thoughts on uh, the the Disney cornucopia, cornucopia, as they say in Christmas Story, of December? What what are your thoughts on that? It's Disney, you know. They're going to do whatever they want and respond however they want. There's nobody bigger. I mean, they've think about their last decade of what they've accumulated as far as underneath their umbrella, how much bigger they've become just in the last ten years. I'm not even talking like growing through the '70s, '80s, and '90s. I'm talking about acquiring abc and things like that it's just it's monumental you're just going to continue to do more if you like disney and you like their content it, it's great i love it you know i've been a, a subscriber of disney plus since day one so i want more star wars i want more uh releases of the old things i, I don't know how many times i, I gotta tell you I, i've gone on to disney plus when i'm going to bed and i'll watch some of the old looney tunes or or um Mickey Mouse uh, cartoons. I mean, it's just there's just a bunch of stuff on there. They do a great job. Um, I'm looking forward to Jeff Goldblum, uh, Life According to Jeff, coming back. That's uh, a great unreal there. So, talk, but yeah, I mean, classic Disney cartoons. I love the ones where Goofy is participating in like a sport, and it's like an instructional video explaining the game. Like those, those are some of my favorite cartoons of all time. I mean, Disney just like, yeah, like you're saying, they absolutely dominated December and just just the the IPs that they expanded immensely. You know, the whole Star Wars universe got blown wide open. Marvel got blown wide open with, oh, we're doing this series and here's here's when it's happening. And this series, here's when it's happening. And here's some dates, something to keep, you know, something you can look forward to while at the same time, just kind of, you know, with the movies, though, they're, they are they're kind of staying the course, that sort of thing. And uh, oh, there you go. Tony's got his uh, his uh, stuff That's on my list. But uh, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, Disney had some super exciting announcements that came down during that investor, and it was just one after another after another with mega announcements. And and oh, Patty Jenkins is going to do Rogue Squadron, and oh, uh, you know they're going to do uh, you know this series, and they're going to do that series, and 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 you know, okay, She Hulk's confirmed, Moon Knight's confirmed. I mean, it was just all over the place. Fantastic Four movie got confirmed to the point that I really thought we're going to get an X-Men announcement. We didn't get that. But I mean, like I mentioned it earlier, it was a it wasn't a streaming event like Fandom or San Diego Comic-Con, but it was a different kind of stream where it went all through their Twitter feed. So it was almost like a streaming event taking place without any video. And then they dropped a few trailers. Here's a Loki trailer. Here's a new WandaVision thing. Here's Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, never seen anything like that. Just where it all got thrust upon you through social media. Um, so, and again, another company, another mega company thinking outside the box. And here's a different way to deliver content. And you got to say during 2020, they, all the companies gradually took them a while, but they gradually got on board and figured out, here's how we're going to evolve this situation and deliver content to the people. And their approach was, let's do yeah. it all through Twitter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Disney had a, a massive month of December and it's 
you know, you look, you take that and you look at those last four episodes of Mandalorian season two, which were just some of the best stuff in the history of Star Wars, arguably better than Rise of Skywalker, Pat. You know it. You, you know, you want to say it. Well, everything's better than Rise. Here's, here's, <laughs> the, you make that joke, but honest to God, between the investor meeting and those announcements and the footage we saw and those last four episodes of The Mandalorian, my faith in the direction of Star Wars film went up because I, I was, I was not, I was very down on their filmmaking process as it seemed like, however you feel about the, the, the back nine trilogy or the back three trilogy, you know, helmed by JJ Abrams. It just felt to me like Disney's decision-making regarding movies for that franchise was backwards. It seemed like they would cut off the legs of good stuff, at least what I felt was good stuff, like Solo, uh, Rogue One, et cetera, et cetera. Rain Wilson running, uh, you know, directing a film that I had doubts and was willing to say, look, we got the Mandalorian, we got the series, that's what we got, and they should go back, they should just stick to episodic stuff. And they could prove me wrong in the next film. But seeing Patty Jenkins... Uh, who even with what I think is not a great movie in Wonder Woman 1984 has a real opportunity. And and it was very interesting the way they kind of did a trailer for Rogue Squadron, that it was a very personal telling from her to us about the type of film she wanted to make. And hopefully that shows itself on the screen. Well, I mean, like you make a good point. Star Wars, the, the, the sequel trilogy had polarized a lot of us. You know, just amongst, oh, amongst nerds like me and you who don't agree on Force Awakens, Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. And so and there's a lot of people who agree with you, a lot of people who agree with me. So we were very polarized. But, you know, you look at those last four episodes of Mandalorian universal acclaim, you know, amongst the entire Star Wars fan base. Everybody jumped on board. And you're right. It did restore your faith, my faith everybody's faith in the franchise as to where they're going and it, and it created opportunities. Okay. They can tell a lot more stories. Like we had that one episode where we're like speculating, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Now it's like, I don't care where they go. Cause they got so many options. I just want to see what happens. You, just, just watch the uh, Disney gallery on making of season two. And you'll see, I mean, the people who are in charge and what they do and, and, the different directors that come in and they all answer to two people. They all answer the same two people. I mean, yep. it's, it's, it's Favreau and Filoni, right? I mean, it's, those are the guys that are taking care of business there. And one has been so uber connected to George Lucas over the years that, you yep. know, and the other, and the other is just a gigantic fan and, and is great at what he does, no matter what he does. I mean, look at the making of elf. Um, I'm not sure if it's the movies that made us or what it is, but they talk about, John Favreau coming in and, and, and having a, a mission and a goal with that. And you can, can clearly see the guy, he's able to get what he wants while allowing another unbelievable director and person that needs to have control alongside of him, letting them do their thing at the same time. Like Robert Rodriguez, um, who is it? Uh, Dallas Howard, right? And, and, and all the other great people that have Bryce Dallas Howard that has been in there. It's just been amazing. And to me, you talk about maybe something that has won the year. It could be, it could be the Mandalorian overall. I mean, it's just right. It's phenomenal. I, I, I got to tell you, John Favreau 
by the time it's all said and done and that man leaves this, he transitions to, you know, his, his next plane of existence. He is going to be up there as a filmmaker, producer, director with Spielberg, with Cecil B. DeMille, with Alfred Hitchcock, with the, the greats in filmmaking. He is amazing at what he does. And I'm not, and we're not going to be done talking about him after we're done with this conversation about Star Wars because when we get to television, I got something else from him that was this year too. So there you go. All right, you raise a great well, point about like- Favreau, Pat, because like remember you had said that your big complaint with J.J. Abrams is that he was p- trying to show Star Wars fans, hey, I'm a fan too, yes. and Favreau did it in such a different way. He's like. I'm a fan of Star Wars and I'm going to give you something that you guys really want, not retreading material in the past. He gave us Star Wars. He didn't try to show us that he got what we loved. And that made such a huge deal. Tony, you segued nicely uh, into our break. I think that's going to wrap up our look at the year that was. When we come back from our commercial break, we got a few topics to go over. We're going to talk about our favorite television shows, movies, hidden gems, um, of 2020 and then get into who won 2021 or who won 2020 what we're looking forward to for 2021 before we go to our commercial break it is my duty to remind you that if you love what we do over at chairshot.com part of the chair shot or the chair shot media group head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in the site in the company We've got all kinds of great stuff over there for folks uh, looking to represent the fine material that we put out there, whether it's our old school chair shot logos, whether it's some of our favorite taglines like hashtag safe tag team wrestling, um, hashtag journalism, everyone hates Greg, all of those, whether it's representing your favorite show, whether it's a winner is you bandwagon nerds or a plethora of others, they're all there. Take a look. Find a shirt, support us. You can get it in either your standard size, uh, standard style at $19.99 or for a few dollars more if you're feeling fancy. Get it soft style and really show off those great shows. Help support us. Show that you love us. Let us stay on the internet airwaves by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and giving us your support. We love you for listening to us. We love the support that you give us, and every little bit helps. When we come back, our favorites of the year that was 2020, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on thechairshot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? 
Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And we are back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds as we continue our year in review. It's time to talk about things that brought us joy in the realm of the nerdosphere and entertainment as we talk about our favorite television shows from 2020, our favorite movies from 2020, and hopefully a few hidden gems, stuff that maybe you didn't catch that you should go back and catch. Uh, I'm hoping that I don't do anything. I hope I drop stuff that people haven't seen um, because some of these I'm going to share discovered within the last 24 hours. Literally binge watched one of the shows I'm going to recommend six episodes last night. So I'm I'm excited to share that with you, talk to you all about it. But let's let's get into it. I'll kick us off our favorite television shows from 2020. I'm just going to share one, talk about it. We'll go around the room a little bit. Uh, just hit some until we run out. For me, uh, 2020, uh, I will start with The Good Place was on NBC had its series finale this season uh was a tight four season show that i i don't know how to describe it just my wife my wife puts it best um there are very few shows out there where you root for and appreciate every single character and protagonist on the show and the good place really is one of them and it was such a clever concept this i idea of when you die you either go to the good place or the bad place so it's concept of heaven and hell and in the first season you're led to believe that the protagonists are all in the good place that um that they're being led by ted danzen in this in this afterlife and it's not until Kristen bell comes to the end of the first season where she realizes that it's an elaborate setup of putting people in the bad place where they think they're in the good place, but they're paired with like everyone who drives them nuts. And then the rest of the show launches forward with them trying to figure out a way to get to into the good place to the point where Ted Danson, who works his character who works in the bad place is actually an architect helping them get to the good place. And it's just, it was such a satisfying ending to a show by the time, like everybody's story arc got wrapped up, and, and very rarely do you see shows end on their own terms. And this one got to and was very satisfactory. It was a very emotional ending. It was just so good. So that that's my first best of t- television series from 2020. Tony, I bet you have like a million, so I'll let you go next. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll start with what is possibly my favorite thing I watched all year, and that is the Queen's Gambit. Um, 
Anya Taylor Joy, Bill Camp, um, a few other actors of note. I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but it's about an orphan girl who's eight or nine at the beginning, and she learns chess from the maintenance man in the basement of the orphanage. And it's just a very interesting story. They do involve like this is like set in the fifties, I believe, some within a decade of there or so, and they give the kids tranquilizers and the, <laughs> to keep them calm. And she learns early on that if you wait and take them at night or save them up and take a bunch of them at night, she ends up seeing the chessboard on the ceiling. So it's a really interesting story uh, about a coming of age as she gets a little bit older and uh, she ends up traveling across the United States and becoming really good at chess uh, with her adopted mother who doesn't always have her daughter's uh, interests, best interests at mind. But at the end, she ends up going to Russia and facing all the great Russian players of the 50s and 60s. Uh, it's just a great story. It's well-written. It's a seven-piece story. It's on Netflix. I would highly suggest if you haven't watched it, make time. You will very much so enjoy it. Keep that name in mind. Anya Taylor-Joy. She will, she will continue to get good roles. She's a phenomenal actress. Excellent. Yeah, it's on my to-do list. Like it absolutely is. It's been on. It's on my queue. It. It's just funny. A couple of things hijacked me. I'm looking at you, Cobra Kai. Uh, um, New Year's Day. It was like begin, and I haven't stopped. And I don't even binge watch. So, Dave, what about you, man? Well, I mean, from TV standpoint, I didn't watch as much as as you guys do. I I know. I can't, I can't watch TV shows too. You know. What's that? I think we're counting streaming shows as well. Obviously yeah, right. Netflix. No, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I, I've seen enough of doom patrol here and there that other people are watching to know that that's a show that I think anybody should probably check out. It's supposedly excellent. Tony's nodding. Phenomenal. His head. Unbelievably phenomenal. It, it, you know, if, if you like the boys, it's, it's the same and completely different, right? It, it's just, it's so much more, intelligent and it's so much more stealthy and witty it's a little bit more playful at the same time it's really weird it's it's such a different take the acting the casting is phenomenal uh brendan frazier and a cast of others do an excellent job sorry to me to take over on that no, for no, you, no. but yeah i can't wait till they the series i know that you right, with you i know that you'd seen it and i know a lot of people speak very very highly of it but you mentioned the boys so for me it's really about the five shows that we reviewed this year over the first year of bandwagon right. nerds. It's, it's, you know, it's Mandalorian. It's the Witcher. It's lock and key. It's umbrella Academy. It's, uh, what's the one that I missed? Huh? The boys. Yeah. The boys. The boys. The boys. Jesus Christ. Boys. Uh, you know, those, those five shows going through those weekly and sometimes binging like we did with umbrella Academy. Um, you know, I honestly, I just had not spent a lot of time on streaming services before we started the show, and I had no idea that there was great content like that out there. I mean, and and all five of those shows, you know, and we got two seasons of Umbrella Academy, we got two seasons of The Boys, we got two seasons of Mandalorian, waiting patiently for season two of Witcher and Lock and Key. I mean, those those were five of the most fantastic shows that you could possibly possibly watch. Very different from each other all with fantastic storylines, all with great casts. I, you know, that's, those are the ones that, I mean, I really enjoyed that 
And I mean, I've, I've got my own mind, which ones I would rank one to five, you know, as far as the best to the, and I wouldn't say worst, but you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'd, I'd go, go ahead, Pat. No, no, no. I'm shocked. Cause you know, what also played in 2020 that I didn't hear you mention. What's that? Crisis? Crisis on infant curse. I infinite figured, earth. I figured Tony was. On infinite <laughs> it's oh, you your, thought Tony was going to do it. It's your white whale. It's your white whale, Patrick. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, you uh, you you stole the boys from me a little bit. I because I, I was going to say it too. And gosh, I love that show. I love what it did. I love how it challenges the notion of superheroes. Uh, the other, the, another show that I had on that I'm still pushing. If you, I, did you, you finally watched it. What we do in the shadows on FX. You I, need to watch this yeah. show. If you haven't watched what we do in the shadows, I'm begging you guys to watch it on, I think it's on Hulu. It's, it's two seasons. They're half hour episodes. They're fast. Season one sort of sets this foundation of vampires who have lived for centuries trying to make it in New York by being directed to try and take over New York and getting on the wrong side of a vampire. And in season one, there there's a highlight of them being brought before a, a council of vampires, and it's all people who have played vampires in other movies, including like Taika Waititi playing his character from the movie version of what we do in the shadows, which is also a fine flick and you should check it out and watch it if you've never seen it. But in season two, they start bringing on guest stars to play on some bigger roles. And so you get to see Haley Joel Osment, Mark Hamill, Benedict Wong are all in there with new creatures and characters. And at one point, there's an episode where one of the vampires uh, goes into hiding because he's been fighting with uh, with Mark Hamill, who is a, a rival vampire. And he goes into hiding to some small, I think it's a Wisconsin town, where he becomes a bartender named Jackie Daytona, who has a passion for women's high school volleyball and fine spirits. And it's hilarious. It's so good. And... He like he'll be sitting in the bar and people come up and he'll be like, I'm just a regular human bartender who's serving regular American beers. And he like sets it out and like everybody gets behind. It's so good. It's so funny. There is um, a human manservant character named Guillermo who you end up pulling for, who learns that he is a descendant of the Van Helsing family, but he wants to be a vampire yet. He's really good at killing vampires. It's, it's a hilarious show. Uh, the only thing that bothered me was that it was so damn short of a season. It was only 13 episodes and they flew. It was like it started and then it was done and there was no more. Kind of like the way Tony feels about Mandalorian and wanting episodes to come back. I want what we do in the shadows episodes to come back so badly because they are genius. I'm worried because they're losing their, their top writer. He's moving on to other projects, but I, it's such a great show. I, I love it. I love it and think everybody should watch it. All right. I'm going to give you the lightning round rundown of my Netflix viewing. Okay. From 2020. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> should I turn on a timer? So the Netflix after party hosted by David Spade just started right at the end of the year. It's excellent. They have different people on from different shows. They just had a show on with the people from Cobra Kai, et cetera, et cetera. Look for that moving forward weekly on Netflix. 
The Chef Show, John Favreau, Roy Choi. It's a spinoff of the movie, um, and it's an excellent series where they just do wonderful things cooking-wise. Meat Eater is another great one with that, with a little more hunting. Steve Rinella is excellent. He's had Joe Rogan on there. My next guest with David Letterman is excellent. If you enjoy David Letterman, he has guests on like Kim Kardashian, um, Dave Chappelle, uh, he had Obama on. I'm looking right at his face right now, and I can't. Robert Downey Jr. I couldn't remember Robert Downey Jr. His name. I'm looking at his face, and I'm thinking, what the fuck is Iron Man's name? Uh, <laughs> Magic for Humans. Justin Willman is unbelievably oh, awesome. Show. Watch show. that with your kids and adults. Enjoy it as well. That was there's three seasons of that on there. Dead Except to the Me season episode. two. Oh, well, then don't watch that one with your kids. Uh, Dead to Me, season two with Christina Applegate and uh, Linda Cardinelli. James Marsden is also on there. Excellent series. Midnight Diner is something that's very eclectic. It's actually from Japan. You'll have to read subtitles, but I'm telling you, if you can get into it, it's phenomenal. Uh, More food shows. Phil Rosenthal, the producer of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, has his own cooking show, which is excellent. Middle Ditch and Schwartz, an improv show. Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz, you know them from Silicon Valley or from, um, what else, Parks and Rec. And then lastly, High Score. High Score is a documentary that came out this year, and if you're a gamer, that's something you should definitely go to Netflix and check out. Real briefly, I'll just, I won't even talk about, I won't even give backstory to these, but The Cabin with Burt Kreischer, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, Space Force with Steve Carell, uh, and Hoops. It's a cinema, It's an animated series. It's raunchy. Watch it. You don't get out much, do you, PC? I- I'm just saying. Uh, it's the only way I can fall asleep at night is watching TV, watching Netflix on my phone. I-, I was about to be like, okay, now, Dave, top that. I can't top it, but I, I will. I You're- will. I will tell you by, uh, you know, and, and for your guys' conversation, out of the shows we watched this year, I did rank what I thought one to five, see what you guys think. I would have given the boys number one, but for those last four episodes of Mandalorian, which put it over the top for me. And so Mandalorian was one, the, the boys was two. I would actually give The Witcher number three, and then Lock and Key and Umbrella Academy. Those would be my ranking of the top five, one to five, the shows that we watch this year. And not to say Umbrella Academy was bad because it was fucking great. But, you know, when you're talking about degrees of greatness, that was kind of where I went with it. Here's a question, though. Out of those five shows, look at it a different way. And maybe this is the same answer for you, Dave, is if if someone said to you, all right, I have the next season of all five of these of the shows you just reviewed, like. Very even even Mandalorian. I already have season three, right? Which one you can only take one and you can watch it right now. Which season do you want? Of which of those five shows do you want to watch next? Wow, that's um probably the boys. I'd say right now, give me the boys season three. Uh, you know, because Mandalorian's going to go in a little bit of a different direction, and and and, and Witcher's going to get complex, and Lock and Key is going to get complex, but the boys is the one that really kind of turns the whole superhero genre on its head flips it around and, and reverses everything. I mean, we ended season two, Tony, with Homelander jerking off on top of a freaking skyscraper. How do you not want to see what happens? Yeah, how do you want not want to see what happens next? Well, we know uh, what, we kind of know what happens next. I'm talking about the season next. It's, 
it, yeah, in response, in response to your ranking question, and then um, in response, so for me, the boys and the boys, like that's the answer to the question. The boys was far and away my favorite of what we reviewed this year. For me, it was the boys, then the Mandalorian, then Lock and Key, then the Witcher, and then Umbrella Academy wrapped up. I, I think Umbrella Academy would have done better by me if we hadn't binge watched it. Honestly, right. like oddly right. enough, like I wanted more time to kind of dive into those episodes and we just didn't we, we just didn't do it justice, which is why I push back so hard on binge watching and reviewing as opposed to one at a time, because I feel like one of my favorite I, it's it, both, both halves of our show is are, are great and I love them, but I love being able to take an, an episode a week and just being able to dissect it and break it down and you know, speculate or answer questions, uh, whether it's insightful questions from like myself, Dave, Ray, Tony, any of you, um, and, and kind of going through that and being able to like give justice to characters and talk about just what, just getting it, being able to geek out over something piece by piece. That to me is, uh, is such a highlight. I love doing it. Um, one other show that I, I feel the need to, to give some love to is it's one that was on a hiatus and came to a conclusion on Disney Plus this year. And that was The Clone Wars, the animated series, The Clone Wars on Disney Plus came to a conclusion and allowed a lot of folks like you talk about closure, like when Clone Wars ended with its sixth season, people were like that felt unfulfilling. And that was a decade ago. And so Disney said, you know what? Let's do it right. Got the cast back and got it right. And people really appreciated that. And I think that helped fuel the demand for an Ahsoka appearance in The Mandalorian that was already there. But that that series really got people excited to see what she was going to be and where she was going to go. Even though we're going to see her again in Rebels, older. No, you're, you're right. Clone Wars is one of the most beloved series that was out there in star Wars lore. And, and, and I think, you know, and we talked about it with Mandalorian as to whether they go in an animated direction for, you know, this whole continuation of Luke and Grogu and whatever the hell happens at Luke's Academy. But I think clone Wars set the template for that rebels to a lesser extent, but like you're saying, let's finish this off. And now people are like, Oh yeah, this animated stuff is great. You know, so they're going to be more accepting of if they want to go, in that direction to supplement all the other live action series that are going to happen on Disney plus. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of shows like that where you say, well, that, I mean, I know game of Thrones fans would say, can we have another season so they can finish this shit? Right. You know, well, you're going to, I don't know. I think a lot of game of Thrones fans like the way that that series finished. You're going to get a spinoff from that though. Um, in 2021, I do believe the house of the dragon or something yeah. like that. I'm not exactly sure. For it, yeah. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to. Can I like talk about the newspapers? I mean, um, network television, yeah. real quick. <laughs> the newspapers. Okay. This is a real brief rundown. Only I'm like, I know your I, reviews are going to be less. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. I won't have. I won't have anything for movie reviews at all. Uh, this is us continues to deliver on NBC. That is something a lot, a lot of people watch. I'm still watching that. Secession is going to come back on HBO. That is a phenomenal show. Um, anything Gordon Ramsay. I love it. Let me think here. I hope the Orville comes back. Are you guys on the Orville with Seth MacFarlane? It's his, it's his take on uh, Star Trek. Um, a couple sitcoms that have been excellent. The Connors, they've, they've continued to do a great job even after Roseanne leaves. 
And then I want to give a shout out to um, the neighborhood with um, Cedric the Entertainer and Max Greenfield. Is just a phenomenal, hilarious half hour comedy. Um, yeah, that's that's what I got. I still watch TV, guys. The regular TV, the actual box, well, rectangle, whatever. Aren't you know what you I mean? special? You're special, PC. Yeah. The actual box. Your show. (laughs) That's adorable. Okay. So let's get into movies. Dave, I'm going to let you go first. What's (laughs) one of the best movies you saw in 2020? Well, I mean, one of the best movies in 20... It's got to be Wonder Woman 1984, because really what... You can... What? There's a handful of five. (laughs) There's like a handful of five movies that came out in 2020. I, I mean... I liked Wonder Woman 1984. Soul was excellent. We talked about that last week. That was that was good. I didn't like it as much as you guys, but it was still excellent as well. Um, there's stuff I could talk about that I was going to kind of hold back for the hidden gems thing. Um, yeah, if you want to hold on to hidden gems, that's fine. I, I got mean, a, I got a couple of movies. I got to ask you: Did you ever watch Bill and Ted Face the Music? See, and I didn't hate it. Okay, but did you love it? I know. I know you were not a fan. I didn't. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I didn't hate um, it either. I just didn't, I didn't like think, it. I didn't think it was going to be like, I, I didn't feel like it was a big tragedy to the, to the franchise. Like, okay. you know, I, I didn't, it was just, it was, it was interesting. You know, you have to take some, some creative liberties with timelines. Cause you know, it's Patrick, Bill and Ted, but Patrick, to quote you, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, I wouldn't have put it up there with my best of 2020. Um, I, I have to say, soul coming out Christmas day was probably the best of what I saw in 2020. I adored that movie. I loved it so, so very much and felt it was just amazing and look forward to reviewing it this week on the nerd review where I will probably be the Paula Abdul. You might be the other, uh, uh, onward also came out this year. It was released on Disney Plus. Not, not the, not the best Disney animated film ever. But I can't lie, the end of that movie. Did you see Onward, Dave? No, I didn't see that one. So, it's so good. So it's about two brothers, uh, a younger brother and an older brother, uh, who have lost their father. Right, and it's you know it takes place in this fantasy world where mythical creatures are around and the brother the younger brother is voiced by tom holland he he like believes it you know he can magically like that he has a talent with magic and they discover a way to potentially bring back their father however they only can bring back their father for a day and something goes wrong with the spell due to his older brother chris pratt's interference that results in only half of their dad coming back his his legs and so they go on a journey and an adventure to find a way to complete the spell and bring back their father entirely and they only have 24 hours to do it before the dad dissipates and the twist at the end of the movie is so great um it's so nice it's very heartwarming it's very disney you know just does what it needs to do uh, but it was it was good. I really I really enjoyed it. That came out you know towards the beginning of the year, and, and was quite quite good. The uh, the other film that really pops into mind for me for 2020, and it's another animated one, and it's going to sound silly. Scoob, 
Uh, it's a Scooby-Doo animated film that got released on Amazon Prime oh. to streaming. And it's about how a young Scooby-Doo and Shaggy meet and their relationship and their friendship. And I wouldn't have watched that movie if not for my son. Um, my my son really wanted to watch it. And so we did. And because we did, I was I was blessed with seeing a pretty darn good animated film for a familiar genre. Before PC goes, let me ask you this. Pat, you saw Mulan, right? I mean, Mulan had a lot of... I like Mulan. Okay. I, I, I did. I mean, I know we kind of talked but, about it in passing, but compared to the animated film, what were your thoughts on Mulan? I think you can't compare it because they're very, they're vastly different movies. Like Mulan pays a little bit of homage to the animated film, but it's not even close to to the animated film. Like you just can't even compare it. And so to do so, to do so is just it's not fair going in. And so you once you get past that, the movie itself is is I think quite good. Um, I don't know that it surpasses the uh, the film, but. You know, I don't know that it surpasses, sorry, the uh, the animated movie, but it's, I think, very good on its own right, uh, in its own right. You talk about, you know, I'll, I'll talk about one more um, that I considered putting in a hidden gem. If you like documentaries, um, there's a documentary on Disney+. Plus. If you liked, like, The Little Mermaid and Aladdin, uh, do yourself a favor and check out the documentary Howard which is about Howard Ashman um, and his life and his role in kind of revitalizing Disney animated features with the little mermaid. He brought Broadway to Disney films and gave us basically, you know, a, a spurt before he tragically died. He was, he was beauty and the beast. He was the little mermaid. And he's, and he was Aladdin and the work that he did with those, he was a lyricist. Uh, but the work that he did uh, in those films, like it's a great tribute to his life. And he uh, tragically, I think he died of AIDS um, during that, that, during that period. And he very much like, you know, we talked about with Chadwick Boseman kept it quiet. Uh, and, but his health was such that towards the end of his life, he couldn't travel. And so I think it was for Aladdin, the, uh, the film, the filmmakers in the studio came to him in New York so that he could finish making the movie. It's a very interesting movie. It's a very good movie uh, and totally worth the time to watch. If you like documentaries, I love documentaries. So absolutely was one of my favorites. Didn't enjoy Wonder Woman as much as y'all did, or especially Dave. Um, still could see that it was really well done. Appreciated how they made it look that way. That's kind of what I enjoyed from it. Soul, I loved. I, I We talked about that last week. But for me... My, I'll give you my favorite, and I've I've watched a bunch of movies this year, as well. But an American Pickle. Have you either of you watched that with Seth Rogen? It's fucking awesome. Uh, it, it's it's a it's about an Orthodox Jewish family, and the grandfather is preserved in pickle brine for a hundred years, and then wakes up and finds his grandson a hundred years later. And it, Max. it is so excellently done and hilarious. Uh, I, I would suggest anybody watch it. it. It's just so funny. So to me, shout out to Seth Rogen for making me laugh. That I, I enjoyed even more than Soul, to be honest with you. It's one of the things I enjoyed most this year. Um, 
TV or, or cinematically. An American Pickle, Seth Rogen. Check it out. Cool. This movie came back and came out back in January, and I forgot about it. I did forget one, uh, and I didn't hate it. And that was uh, Harley Quinn uh, and Birds, the Birds of Prey movie. Uh, I, I just wish that. it was not titled Birds of Prey. Yeah, I forgot. I wish about it was that titled the Harley Quinn. It was a Harley Quinn movie with the Birds of Prey, and they should have titled it as such. Instead, they titled it Birds of Prey, and that was a misnomer. So much so that when they changed the title, it made more sense. And honestly, Birds of Prey, I would say, was better than Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. I would agree with you. It's more fun. It was just fun. It is. It is. I mean, it, it, it is very Harley centric, which is a, a risk going forward, which is what James Gunn has got to deal with in Suicide Squad. Anytime Harley's in a movie, she's going to dominate that movie. And you've got to be and he's got to be it's careful just, of that. So that Suicide Squad doesn't turn into Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad, because that would not be right. good. Margot, Margot Robbie. I, you just you talk about I I had my doubts when she was cast and I feel like between her and Kelly Kuko voicing her on the Harley Quinn animated series, they've really done it right. They've done right by her. Margo's Margo's approached that status where you, where you think of Harley Quinn and you really can't think of anybody but her like Iron Man and Robert Downey and Thorin Hemsworth. And so she's rapidly approaching that, that whole thing. But yeah, you know, suicide squad's one that I'm interested in to see how does Gunn manage all those personalities? Uh, well, if anybody can do it, it will be James Gunn. So let's get into some hidden gems. Let's talk about some stuff that maybe folks didn't necessarily catch. And I'm going to start with a show that I've beat the drum for repeatedly previously anyway, but I still feel like it's a hidden gem and one that people don't give enough love to. And that is the Star Series Warrior You know, I don't know if I can say much more about it than I've already said, but it's based on the writings of Bruce Lee, based on a show that he pitched or that he wanted to pitch uh, that actually was kind of a backdrop and a foundation for Kung Fu, uh, the show he didn't get when he was when he was on there. (laughs) Shit. And uh, I'm going to go on a little bit of a Kung Fu uh, film uh, hidden gem sort of rant here. So Warriors, a terrific show. It takes place in the 1800s in San Francisco during the great Chinese immigration, uh, when they started being hired as laborers and, you know, it represents a lot of conflict between Chinese, Ameri- you know, Chinese immigrants and Irish Americans who were displaced, uh, and the city trying to find its way to right itself, uh, navigating these two populations, uh, within it is just amazing martial arts and some terrific stuff. Uh, ESPN and their 30 for 30 documentaries. I'm going to just jump right into this. They also did a documentary this past year that I hope people watch. And if you have a chance to catch it, you should. It was about the life of Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, uh, called like water or be water, uh, which is based on, uh, you know, a phrase that he says in the midst of an interview and that interview frames the entire documentary. And I've, Ever, I read I read a very extensive and exhaustive documentary or a book about that man's life because I love biographies as well, and that documentary is a great supplement to that to to a book that's just about it's just titled Bruce Lee and it's just so his life 
is so fascinating to me and what he wanted to be as a star. You know, the work that he tried to do to be taken seriously as a leading actor in the United States and China, he wanted to be there for both. And it just comes through so well in that documentary and is worth a check if you have ESPN Plus where you can get all the 30 for 30s. Give it a watch. It's worth the time. BC, what do you got, man? I I just kind of want to give a shout out. I, I'm not sure exactly where you guys were. If we're still on um, movies or hidden gems we're now. On hidden gems, man. Hidden gems. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Uh, as a, as a, in in total, uh, the WWE Network. A lot of things they do. I want to give a shout out to them, especially if you're a fan. Uh, everything they did with the Undertaker, uh, Stone Cold, the Day of kind of stuff. So shout out to them. Uh, personally, I'm a big Impractical Jokers fan, and when they couldn't go out and film stuff, they did a dinner party, and I thought that that was excellent as well, so that's another hidden gem for me. And then the Michael Jordan documentary over the summer, um, we, we talked about it. Platt and I, actually, we have over 10 hours of coverage right here on the chairshot.com from when it was going on during the summer. So those are some things that are just little hidden gems that I really enjoyed media wise in this, in this crazy mixed up year of 2020. I got two movies that I saw this year that were better than I thought they would be. And one of them's bloodshot with Vin Diesel from earlier in the year. You know, that, that was, that was definitely better than I anticipated it would be. And, And if you're remotely interested in that character, that comic, um, it's definitely worth checking out. No, it's not perfect, but it's probably better than you think. And the other one is honestly new, Mu- new mutants, which came out at the same time as bill and Ted. It is definitely worth a watch. You know, I mean, it, it would cost you money to watch it, but, but when you consider the long production cycle of that movie and everything it went through and just anticipating an absolute train wreck and then to see what they kind of pulled off, it's, it's a very, it, it is much darker than, you know, the whole X-Men genre of things and that sort of thing. But uh, I thought it was done really well. There's a few really cool fan moments, especially when Lockheed the Dragon actually does show up where you pop a little bit. You're like, oh, there he is, you know, because up until then, he's a hand puppet that she's using. And then he actually shows up as a real dragon when she goes into the other dimension. Um, it is. It spoiler. is. A, sorry, man. This is, the show is not spoiler free, especially now. It's true. Uh, but um, I I was pleasantly surprised with that pat i know we talked about it we were skeptical of it it is definitely worth checking out i mean you're you may not love it but i think you might like it more than you're anticipating so i would say bloodshot and new mutants are the two kind of hidden gems that i saw this year that i would definitely say yeah check those out so my two hidden gems are on a streaming service that i'm not sure everybody has um it's a streaming service that got a black eye uh in october and that's Apple Plus. So Apple TV or whatever it's called. I can't remember. I call it Apple Plus because Disney Plus. I think it's Apple TV. Um, Apple TV has a couple of exclusives that because I was able to get a free, I got a new phone, right? And so they gave me Apple TV for a year. I have it through February. And I mentioned that one of these hidden you have, gems. You have it through when? February. Well, I'm sorry, when? February. Oh, February. 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 The grammar police have descended upon bandwagon nerds. Oh, this is the pronunciation police. Like, whatever. 
anyway. Sorry, I couldn't help it. Yeah, it's all right. You know, anyway, so there are a lot of really interesting things on Apple Plus, some really interesting hidden gems that I think are are going to be hidden gems by virtue of the fact that people aren't getting Apple TV. Like, I'm not sure how it's doing as a streaming service. I don't know where it ranks. Um, but a couple of shows that have been just kind of amazing to me. One is called Tiny, um, it's called like Tiny Animals or Tiny World. And it's a documentary voiced by, um, narrated by Paul Rudd, Ant-Man himself, following microscopic tiny animals. And it's shot in high definition. And it's just, it's kind of cute. It's a great little nature doc. The other is a show I'm not sure that uh, Tony will care for because of the show's creator. It's a, it's a Bill Lawrence show. Uh, Bill Lawrence gave us Scrubs, and you hate Scrubs, so I don't know. Like I don't, I can't trust you. But uh, Bill Lawrence's latest show is exclusive on Apple or Apple TV, and it's a show called Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso is a show. It stars Jason Sudeikis, and the concept is that he is an American football coach out of Wichita State University who has led the Wichita State um, Shockers to a Division 1A or whatever football championship. And he has been hired by the widow, or not the widow, the recently divorced owner of a an England uh, a football team in England. To and and Ted Lasso has no knowledge of um, soccer at all. He's never coached. He's never touched the game or anything. And he comes over there with his his assistant coach, and he's hired by this woman, a la Major League, because her ex husband was the one who loved that football team, that football club, more than anything in the world. And so she wants to spite him by running it into the ground and bankrupting it. And so she hires Ted Lasso, counting on this guy to be terrible. And the character is just this over, he's just this ridiculously optimistic, feel good sort of guy. And I, I, I talked about this at the top of the show. I started watching it on a whim because I've heard a few people talk about it today. Started watching it this morning. I'm six episodes in, uh, 30 minutes. It's so good. And I don't know if it's just because 2020 has been a tough year and it's a down year, but it's such an optimistic, positive movie or a t- television show. And I just feel like it's the right show to watch during a period where people are feeling pretty low because nothing gets the dude down. And like other Bill Lawrence shows, like he gave us Spin City, uh, of course, and he's worked. He worked as a writer, I think, on Seinfeld or Everybody Loves Raymond. I can't remember which one. But he taught. Um, he always brings like this comedy with a good chunk of heart to it. And even within this eternal optimism, like I just got to this point in the series where he's having trouble with his like his marriage, and he realizes that he needs to let his his wife go because their relationship is done. And even in that, like he just, he does it and feels okay and is positive about it. And it's so great. It's, I love stuff like that. Like I love movies and television shows where positivity and 
doing right by others is paid off. Like it's why Mr. Smith goes to Washington is one of my favorite movies in the whole world. It's why Harvey, um, another James Stewart movie, one of my favorite films in the whole world, because the optimism and the, the positive and the belief in the good in others is more powerful than a lot of what gets you down. And it's just the kind of show I feel that we need now. And so if you have an opportunity to check that show out, you really should do it because I, I think it's terrific and it's great. And because it's on Apple TV, it's not censored. So you get a lot of fucks and wankers and all kinds of stuff dropped in that show. And it's hilarious. Isn't that the one where like somebody calls like, an offside and he's like, what is that? And the yeah. guy's like, look, and he's like, no, really, what can you explain this to me? Cause the offside rule but, in soccer but, is so yeah, weird. The, the, cult, the culture the culture class in that is hilarious. He goes into his introductory process, uh, introductory press conference that he doesn't know. Like he shows up, he doesn't sleep on the flight. He's tired. He's getting a tour of the facility. And they're like, here's the press room. And he's like, and, uh, the owner's like, I hope you're ready to face the press. And he's like, yeah, I'll be ready whenever that press conference is. She's like, good. Cause it starts right now. And she opens the door and throws him in there. And he's like, you're right. I don't, I don't know much about soccer, but what I can promise you is that we're going to go out there and we're going to give four good quarters of hard football. And the press guy's like, halves. He's like, oh, yeah, you guys have halves here. It's two halves. Uh, later on, one of the players, he's like watching him. He's sizing him up. And this guy speaks like something unintelligible. And he's like, well, he's definitely from, he's definitely from around here. And his assistant coach is like, yeah, he's from Wales. And he's like, what is that, like a city? And they're like, he's like, is that a city, another country? And, and, the the coach is like kind of both, and he's like, well, how many countries are there in this country? And he and the and the assistant coach and the uh, equipment manager are like four. And he's like, I don't understand this, but it's it's hilarious. It's really and if you like Jason Sudeikis, like he does a great job, plays this you know midwestern. He's got a little bit of a southern twang to him. It's good stuff. I really really am sad that I'm so late to the party on this show, and it's tempting to make me want to keep Apple TV, even though I'm not when my free subscription ends in February or February. And there's an R after the B. I'm just saying there is. <laughs> you got a, any other gems there, Dave? It's not a cable. Not, I mean, end, bro. Not really, man. Other than I will say crisis on infinite earth. There you go. Check, check. I had to get the obligatory mention of crisis in there. Tony appreciates God. it. So another uh, Apple TV exclusive, and again, I feel like I'm doing this one you should be able to look for on Netflix eventually. I think this movie is going to show up in the nominees um, in the awards circuit. It's probably not going to win because Soul will probably win because Pixar, even if it is a good movie. But there is a uh, movie that was put out by the same people who put out the movie Secret of the Kells called Wolf Walkers. That is, you know, being an Irish boy myself is a story about a young girl who is part of an English settler group that is trying to colonize Ireland or England. And her father and them encounter uh, a pack of wolves in this forest that they are trying to kind of cut back and regulate and tame so that England can kind of continue its march through imperialism. But there are these two women who live with this pack of wolves that have the ability to, when they are asleep at night, become wolves themselves and lead this pack. And it's all about the relationship between this uh, English girl and her father, the English girl and this young Irish girl, uh, the concept of family, 
the concept of um, colonization um, told, told from a, a different point of view from uh, from England and, and kind of what happened in Ireland and the way that 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 country was uprooted by by English rule. And it's just a it's a very, very good movie. You know, I love animation. It's beautifully animated. It's very, very different. It's called Wolf Walkers. Uh, and I highly recommend people check it out. Good so stuff. I um See, seeing the general silence from the group, that's going to do it for our hidden gems for 2020. Unless we got any any leftovers, if not, I'm going to ask the the big question of 2020, and that's who won 2020? Uh, Pure Charmin. <laughs> yeah, Charmin. Charmin dominated Charmin. 2020. That is a that is a dope answer. Quilted Northern. You know they they might have done well as well. Um, Lysol. Lysol did pretty well this year too. <laughs> I would say, honestly, man, I mean, it, Disney's the easy answer, but I would say DC did really well this year because they had a huge opportunity to do stuff while Disney was catatonic for 11 months out of the year. And they did a lot of stuff. They, they, they put out a lot of content. They put their plans into place. They introduced this fandom thing, which was really successful they got the biggest movie of the year out there at the end of the year in Wonder Woman 1984, whether you love it, hate it, or somewhere in the middle. They still had the biggest movie of the year. And yet, like you said, Pat, Birds of Prey also. another. They had the book ended two of the biggest movies of the year. So I think you know they needed to have a strong year. Disney kind of gave them an opening, whether intentional or not. They, by their inaction, they gave DC time. And I think DC kind of closed the gap. And then you got the announcement near the end of the year that we didn't talk about that they've kind of set forth. They're going to release, what, two movies every year for the next few years. And they got TV series that they're going to put on HBO Max. And along the way, the Snyder Cut actually became reality, which was just rumors and innuendo for three years. And then all of a sudden, it's a real thing. And I know you're skeptical of it. We all are skeptical of it. But still, the fact that it exists... And it's it's a tent pole that they can wrap around HBO Max to hopefully carry on the momentum from uh, Wonder Woman. I think DC did really well this year. I, I mean, Disney basically gut punched them at the end of the year, but I don't think that takes away from a lot of this good stuff that DC accomplished over the course of the year to kind of get back in the game a little bit. I'll say The Mandalorian won because... In a time where we're not going to movie theaters and the hype machine that gets behind that whole part of big business, they still found a way to captivate an entire country and countries outside of it with the series streaming as opposed to a gigantic blockbuster movie. And we still all adored it. We still all went and went out and bought all the Legos and the action figures and the stuffed animals and Baby Yoda just fucking blew up the internet when we knew his name was Grogu. And on top of it, you put the cherry on it with they did a great job with the final four episodes, like we said, and gave everybody what they wanted. Everybody was happy with it. And not in a way just to please everybody, but in a way that they accomplished something that's worth talking about. Excellent choices, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to go with streaming services, kind of to, to follow along with what you said. Like... Streaming entertainment was a big thing and, you know, it got pushed forward by this pandemic, obviously, but they, they've capitalized. And if we're being realistic, streaming is going to be our 
is going to be the forefront of our entertainment for the future. It is the future. I think it's always felt like the future. And it was a big, big year for for streaming services, whether it was content like The Mandalorian, whether it was just Disney Plus in general being a monster, Netflix dropping show after show after show and staying on schedule at a time when the television networks couldn't necessarily do that the same way that, that streaming could. Content matters. Amazon Prime did its part. Apple TV, like I said, it's not going to be a big – I don't know that it's ever going to be enough to supplant the big three, but they've positioned themselves well to be here to stay. Hulu isn't going anywhere, even if it's got to be attached to ESPN and Disney+. Plus. Like Streaming is, is the next step in entertainment. It's going to replace our cable bill if it hasn't already. And they – streaming services had a great 2020. So what's around – for the two for the two of you, one thing you're looking forward to in 2021. The Witcher. The Witcher, the Witcher, the Witcher. I enjoyed that so much watching that. Um, that's just the series I can't wait to come back. The people that they have playing in there, the time period that it represents ish in, in, in along with the, the you know the mythical myst you know mystical kind of things that go with it. And and then the way that they, they presented with the comedy and, and the action. It's a great choice. I hope it, <clears throat> I hope it happens sometime this year. Um, I'm going to go a little bit more in the immediate future and say WandaVision. And to actually, oh, sorry, man, but it, it's it's the kickoff to Phase Four. I, I mean, Phase Four that's been delayed for uh, almost a year. Well, by the time a movie comes out, it'll be a year. But yeah, we need to get Phase Four kicked off. I think we all agree that WandaVision's probably inadvertently going to be the kickoff to that now with the delay and everything. So. Yeah, let's get Phase 4 rolling. Let's get the MCU back on track. Let's see where we're going to go. Uh, I'm super excited about it, just to see what this series is all about. Is it House of M under a different name? What is it going to be? That's what I'm looking forward to the most, and it's coming up right around the corner. I will stay in the Marvel Cinematic Cinematic Universe, and I'll stay in the oh, Marvel I wanted, to guess. I wanted to guess what yours was going to be. Oh, go ahead, guess. No, I don't want to tempt fate. Go ahead. Uh, since Dave stole WandaVision, the the other thing that I am looking forward to is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I always loved, I love Anthony Mackie in that role. I think he's he's been terrific, and uh, I'm so happy to see him have a vehicle uh, to be the to be the guy uh, with 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 Winter Soldier. Like Falcon will be, like it's a buddy cop, or you know they're buddies quote-unquote buddies but uh i really feel like it's his vehicle and i'm looking forward to seeing where he takes it so that'll be mine for uh 2021 that uh that series comes up a little bit later down the road so there we go fellas our 2020 year in review a little bit of something to look forward to in 2021 uh good work fellas i really really appreciate the insight the time and i hope everybody listening out there i hope you enjoyed it too uh but of course we can't end a show without having a little bit of patrick o'dowd has a question and i shared this uh prior to the show airing uh last night and a little bit before we went on today uh we've talked about COVID 19 and the way that it's impacted so many um so many lives and it impacted me personally Uh, Yesterday, uh, as I received word from my father that uh, a guy that I uh, that I knew for a really long time is really good friends with my father, a man by the name of Dave Lore, 
uh, passed away yesterday due to complications from COVID-19. And I'm going to say a little bit about him and, and just what he meant to me before I, before I ask my questions. But Dave was the kind of person that every, I grew up in a small town in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, uh, a little town called Tuscola, Illinois. And every town like mine and even bigger towns too has a Dave lore. Uh, Dave was my little league coach when I was a kid, uh, was a good friend of my dad's. He was little league in my small town. He kept it going during times when things got a little bit lean and interest went down. Dave was a driving force in the community uh, to bring something positive to children in the community uh, at a time when, you know, there's all kinds of options out there. Uh, Dave was always somebody who you would see at the local high school as a part of the, the chain gang at football games. And there's so many great memories that people have of Dave that um, I know are going to get shared in the near future, but I'm going to share one for me. And that was um, he taught me how to properly catch a ball in the outfield. And I'll never remember, I'll never forget. I was left-handed and in a little league, you know, you can kind of play whatever position you want. I was left-handed. I played second base even though I was left-handed. But when I made the Little League All-Star team to go and do like our march to the Little League World Series tournaments and whatever, I got put in the outfield because I'm left-handed. I was, I was put in left field. And I will never forget, as you're as I was shagging fly balls, I, I was good. I could catch. I was always great defensively. I would catch things one-handed. And Dave used to always say to people, you know, a ball looked really good if you caught it with one hand, but it looks really stupid when it dribbles down your elbow. And he would do a little hand motion of the ball dribbling down your elbow. And because of that, I would never catch a ball without using both hands in some way, shape, or form. And learned how to catch it and throw it, not snap at the ball and things like that. And Dave did that for hundreds and hundreds of kids over decades and was just special to me. Uh, it was definitely special for my dad. And so happy trails to Dave Lord. But my question to you guys is that I think everybody has people like that that aren't necessarily a parent, but maybe a coach or a teacher or something like that. And so my question to you is, who would you give a shout out um, as somebody who helped you be who you are now? I am. I am exactly. I'm exactly my dad in a sports and physical way and a voice way and the way we act and how competitive we are. He was my little league coach uh, in second, third, and fourth grade. He was my basketball head coach in seventh and eighth grade. Um, he was he played basketball in college. He uh, played baseball his whole life. He taught me how to golf. He taught me how to fish. So I would I would shout out to my dad, who I was lucky enough to have someone that cared that much about me be in those positions when I was that young. Man. Um... <clears throat> I'd probably give out a shout out to both my parents who um, I lost. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the show. I lost both my parents within two months of each other in 2012. And, you know, my dad instilled in me this love of sports and just, you know, that sort of thing. And my mom was just such a, such a good person, such a cool person and kind of, you know, turned me into, you know, not to be one of these guys, you know, there's, there's a lot of men out there who are chauvinistic assholes and, and I never, was one of those. And I, I, I attribute that a lot to, to her and just how she raised me, you know, single mom. Cause her and my dad split up when I was like four. And, you know, I think the two of them 
even though I was much closer to my mom than my dad, I think they kind of molded me and kind of made me realize that, you know, in some ways I, I did, I wanted to be like my dad. In other ways, I didn't want to be like my dad. And my mom was just kind of just this great person, um, this great grandmother to my kids who, you know, just have not been able, we're never going to replace your folks, that sort of situation. So I'd give a shout out to both of them and uh, miss them both greatly. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that, Dave. Um, I don't know that I did know that story. I'm not sure if I did. Um, I don't think so. So that's, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I think that, you know, as we, as we head out of here, uh, I just feel like 2020 has been tough, right? Uh, I think that, you know, we've talked about how hard it's been for very folk, various folks, and it's always valuable to look back and just see how positive people have been in our lives, whether it's your parents, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a coach. And so as we, as we, as we've rung out 2020 and 2021 is starting and things haven't necessarily changed. And I I think that there's going to be another surge, uh, as we get past the holidays, um, remember those people, thank those people. And, you know, just remember that they're not always going to be there. Um, because, you know, time is, you know, time is a finite line for us and you don't know, you don't know when it's going to be gone. And so hug your loved ones, tell those that meant something to you in your life, that they meant something to you in their life or in your life, because I guarantee you that you probably meant something to them too. And with that, we're going to say goodbye to 2020. We're going to say hello to 2021. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. For PC Tunney and David Ungar, follow them both on Twitter, at Attitude Ag, at PC Tunney. Follow the show, at Bandwagon Nerds. Read the nerd review on Thursday. We're going to review Soul. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and welcome in this new year, because it's going to be better than the last. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Masterful deceit Broke down my loot And they kicked in my teeth While the devil's horns Minced our tender meat And so cried the witcher He can't be bleed Toss a coin to your witcher Oh valley of plenty Oh valley of plenty Oh Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. At the edge of the world, fight the mighty horn that bashes and breaks you and brings you to more. He thrusts every hour. Far back on the shelf
Where'd you go? The future. That shit, by the way. Called it. You are depriving some village of their idiot. I told you to wait in the car. Yeah, but you also told me that licking a nine-volt battery would give me pubes. Got a big mouth, you know that. Oh wow, what a truly shocking revelation. Sorry, liar. Drop dead. Oh, bro. Best funeral. Ever. What do I look like? Like you're starring in a porn version of The Matrix. Translucent doesn't even mean invisible. Well, where'd you go? That means semi-transparent. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. What? Why can't visit me old mate? Rekindle the unbreakable bonds of brothers in arms. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all of y'all, okay? Come on. Him in. Well, Huey, you just off one of the seven, mate. Me? I... You... You... You hit him with a fucking car! Look, potato fucking potato. We're both in a shitload of trouble. Easy peasy. Japanesey. Bob's your uncle. That's that. Hey, it's just... It's just... Bingo. Good to see you. Put these on... On TV, but... What'd you get? Shack burger, uh... Cheese fries. Fuck it all concrete. Does it taste like lies? Never got the point of these. To me, they always look like granddad's bollocks flopping in the wind. Butcher! Fucking hell, calm down. The hell you disappeared to before? Oh, I just had to pop down the shop. It's running you below and mind your own fucking business. I got your phone linked to my Find Your Shithead Friends app. I'm saying, if there is some geezer out there with a big white beard, he's a world heavyweight cunt. 
He's got a hard on for mass murder and giving kids cancer. And his big old answer to the existential clusterfuck that is humanity is to nail his own bleeding son to a plank. All right then, love. Well, that's all under control, isn't it? This is from that club you took me to? You remembered our first night together. I'm touched. She'd love a fucking nuke at so, Get it over and done with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're sorry. Are you telling me God's not reaching up the twats of American girls and blessing babies? Butcher, can you leave God out of this? Watch your life, son. Seek, and you shall find me, son. What's with the accent? What's with yours? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 